Welcome to Too Many Podcasts, the podcast about podcasts. Now, podcasting from the Sherpa Chalet on Mount Podcastia, he's your host, Jim, the Podcast Sherpa. Top of the morning to you, rebels, and happy St. Paddy's Day if you're listening to this in real time. And as you can tell, I am not Irish at all. <laughs> it's me, Jim the Podcast O'Sherpa, and welcome back to Too Many Podcasts. We hope that you enjoyed Hollywood Week last week, and we're here at the Sherpa Chalet carrying on like we normally do. And guess what? It's theme week! It's, it's theme, theme week. week! It's theme week! It's theme week! It's bonus episode week. Yeah, that's a good enough theme for me. And what about our bonus episode? I'm sure you have questions, right? Who's our guest today, Sherpa? I'll tell you a story. First, I went to the mailbox. Whatever you do, just don't go to the mailbox. Then I saw that I got an email from my friend, the lovely Dr. Lindsay Callen Weisner, who hosts the podcast Neurotic Nourishment and... We interviewed her last season, if you recall, and I had a great time with her. She's my buddy. She's a wonderful person. And she said, have I got a guest for your show? And the guest would be this week's guest because she was absolutely right. A very nice lady named Selen Castrovilla. Selen and Lindsay co-authored the book, 10 Steps to Finding Happy. Lindsay suggested that I interview her as well, and I'm certainly glad that I did. And you will hear that interview after I tell you that today's podcast is being brought to you by Audible, where you can get a free audiobook download and a 30-day free trial at www.audibletrial.com slash Sherpa. There's over 180,000 titles to choose from for your iPhone, Android, Kindle, or MP3 player. Okay, enough with the pageantry. Let's head on down to the conference room at the Sherpa Chalet and have a listen to my conversation with Selen Castrovilla. Hello, Rebels. You know, there's an old saying that says the enemy of my enemy is my friend, but what about the friend of my friend? Well, one of the friends of my friend is right here, and she is our guest today for the Sherpa Chalet, and she is an author and a mom and a public speaker and a guest of this podcast, and she's going to survive it. <laughs> Her name is Selene Castrovilla. Hello, Selene. How are you doing? I'm great. Thank you for having me. Oh, it's a pleasure to have you. So, why don't we get to know you just a little bit? Sure. Oh, that's good to speak. Okay, well, I am an author. I have, this is my, my 11th book is coming out. Um, I write all different kinds of things, which I'm sure we'll be speaking about. Uh, I'm, a, I'm a Long Islander. I am a mother of two sons who are raised here. Uh, one is 20 and one is 25. Um, that's, there's a lot of things about me, but I'm sure we'll, we'll like, again, we'll, we'll discuss things. I love the color purple. There you go. That's your favorite book, or is that just the the color? No, no, the color, the actual color purple. Oh, okay. <laughs> My house is purple. Oh. Everything's purple. Oh yeah, that's right. Paying <laughs> <laughs> attention to that. So, when did you start writing? Well, for publication, uh, I started writing. I got my first contract in two thousand and three. And the book came out in 2007. It took a long time because it was a picture book. It had to be illustrated. Um, but I actually started writing when I was a kid. I, I just knew I was, a, I was one of those people that always know. Uh, when I held a pencil, I, I knew that's what I needed to use, even though I wasn't quite sure how. So. And then you just developed it as, a, as you got older and did, yeah. finessed it. I just always knew. It was, it was, it was pretty, uh, pretty great thing to know what I wanted to be. 
Now I'm looking at your website and I see you actually do critiquing service where I guess people can send you their manuscripts and you can check that over. Absolutely. Yes. Mm -hmm. it, I have an MFA in creative writing. Um, so I'm qualified and I also, um, I'm the, um, regional advisor of the Society of Children's Book Writers and Illustrators, uh, the Long Island region. Uh, and I, 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 I used to be the co-chair of the Long Island Children's Writers and Illustrators. So I, I you know, I, yes, I do, I do a lot of critiquing. Is it hard when you're going through that or you kind of know what you're looking for, what's, what's going to work, what's not going to work? You know, I think the hardest part is taking yourself out of it and looking at what someone else is, what, what they're looking for. I don't want to make it to a story that I want. I wanted to help them develop the story that they want it to be. Um, so I wouldn't say it's hard. Uh, um, no, it's, it's not hard for me because I, I've been doing it a long time, but initially, sure, it was hard. Yeah, and I guess, like, because you're experienced at this, you know how to catch the reader's interest. And I guess maybe that's probably one of the first things that you might be looking at. Yeah, I, th I think that's vital. You really have to catch people right away, especially with the short attention spans these days, right? It's like, boom, if you don't catch them within the first sentence, forget it. You know, they're on to the next thing. If you go to Selene's website, which is selenecastrovia.com, you'll see all the different types of books that she writes. She writes self-improvement. She's written books about the Revolutionary War for kids. She's written women's fiction, and she's written stuff for young adults as well. Yeah. And she's got a book coming out with my buddy, Dr. Lindsay Callen Wisner, 10 Steps to Finding Happy. And this is actually how I found Solen. She, uh, Lindsay emailed me and she said, I have a guest for your show. And I said, absolutely. And oh, there she is. Yeah. That's, I really appreciate it. Yeah, Lindsay and I, we met in a funny way. Um, her, uh, her, her son goes to school with my niece. And uh, we, we met that way. It was a really odd thing. But my, well, my niece and her daughter is the niece that goes to school with her son. And my, my niece said, hey, you have this, I have this great friend that I think you would really find. You're both very funny and you're both right. And I think you'd be, uh, you should meet. And so she was right, I guess. <laughs> it worked <Yeah>. out. <laughs> <laughs> and the book will be launched just uh, this week, I guess. Right? Probably after yes. the broadcast of this podcast. Yes, on the International Day of Happiness, so. Did you come up with the idea for the book or was that Lindsay's idea or did you kind of consult with a lot of people first and kind of pull it all together? I actually came up, I won't say I came up with the idea. My son came up with the idea. My older son, who was uh, 25, a couple of years ago, he said to me, hey mom, because I, I go all over the country speaking, uh, you know, doing various conferences and uh, fairs, you name it, festivals. And he's gone with me to a lot. And he's like, you know, mom, everyone says that you change their lives, that you're so inspiring. And, and I was like, well, I don't know. I'm just myself. And he said, well, I think you should write a book about that, about how, you know, the journey to happiness and, and how, how, how you, because I did have quite a journey. Okay, I did. And, uh, and he said, you know, just do that. I'm like, no, that stuff's the charlatans, you know. I, I, I look at some of those books. I'm like, oh, they, they, they sound good. But when you look at them, they're like, oh, who could even understand what they're saying in this thing? Or, or they, you know, there's nothing practical about it. So I said no. But then I was thinking about it and I was looking on the internet and I happened to see an image of this happy face that was sort of struggling through clouds or something. Like it was like not totally there. Like, and that's how I, I always felt during my journey to find happiness. I was like, I felt happy in little spurts and little patches, but then it would sort of get covered over by clouds. And, and it was just this long, long journey to actually just be happy. And I, I said, well, that, there you go. 10 steps to finding happy. I just said it and I knew it. And I started writing it and it took me about a year. 
And I showed it to Lindsay. I thought it was done. I said, could you give me a blurb? Because she's a psychologist, right? And she instead had the audacity to say, I think I could contribute to this book. And I want to write it with you. I'm like, what? What do you mean it's done? I really, I thought about it for about five minutes. I was like, this would be great. Because she has a totally different slant on it. You know, the psychological slant, the scientific slant that I don't know anything about. And well, I have a minor in psychology, so there you go. But other, you know, four classes, woo, I'm all set, you know. But um, I, I thought it would be great. I thought, wow, two perspectives. And then we started, then we got all these experts to contribute also. Uh, you know, so we have 20, uh, 24 experts. It's, it turned into a whole thing beyond what I conceived. And let me tell you, every time I look at it, I'm pretty blown away. I'm like, wow, this is pretty awesome, so. Yeah, who would think that it would just started from a simple compliment from your son, right? I know. Isn't that hysterical? I know one of the reasons why you wanted to come on was that, you know, there were some issues in your life that you wanted to discuss that we could kind of bring up yeah. on the show. Some of this is, is relatively serious. I mean, we're goofing around a little bit yeah. now, but, you know, what Selene went through when she was younger was, was very rough on her. So, yeah, you know, if, if the tone changes, you'll understand why. I just figured I'd give our listeners... Well, I, 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 get, I can be kind of funny about it, but... um. Well, my mother was, was by, we don't know if she's bipolar. I mean, things weren't diagnosed then. Nobody went to these doctors. I wish they did. Uh, but um, she had some issues and, she, and, and one of the ways it meant that they manifested was she was a hoarder. And so I grew up uh, really sitting on piles of newspapers, uh, clothing piled everywhere, the mail unwind and just boxes, just every, like a little narrow path was all the way you could walk through the living room. I, I, you've seen the hoarding shows, right? Well, I will say it wasn't the filth of those, but it was certainly the extent of it, like packed up wise. Okay. So really, really um, confining in, in more than one way. And so I had to deal with that. And um, it's hard for a kid, you know, it, it's, it's, it's hard for a kid to, cause we don't really understand what's going on, especially. Uh, so I, that was one of the major things I had to contend with. And the other thing was that my father was a heroin addict and, and, that was extremely hard as you could imagine. And he was really hardly ever there because a heroin addict is really, their priority is heroin. It's, you know, he, he happened to have been a nice guy, which made it harder to understand, you know. So the, these things were tough. Um, and I really had a lot of issues growing up, a lot. And um, that's why I said, I really, my, in my biography, you know, in, in the end of the book, you know, you have the bio. And I said, as a child, Selene Castrovilla was thrown down a well and had to claw her way out of it, metaphorically, you know? Mm -hmm. And that's how I felt. I felt like I was in this pit and I had to claw my way out. But the good news is I did. Um, and honestly, I just, I just felt like these things just came to me. You know, all these, wait, all these steps, no one said to me, here's these steps. It just, people, people sort of exhibited themselves to me at times when I needed them. For example, my chiropractor was really helpful, believe it or not. He was an amazing thing. He should be a therapist. And he, just, he gave me like the most amazing practical advice. And, and I felt when I would be sad, he said, well, I said, my parents, my parents, he said, well, are your, are your parents God? I'm like, no, my parents are not God, you know? So like, you know, he said the things that were just so practical, but yet so caring. And, um, and people like that, I, people always came in my life at a crucial point. I listened to Hil Hillary Clinton get interviewed on Howard Stern um, several weeks ago, like probably longer than that by now. And she was talking about her mother and how horrible her mother, what mother's life was. And she really was never loved. And, and Howard said, how did she survive? And she said, well, crucial at the times when she needed it, people just appeared in her life. Crucial people just came, came 
and, and when she needed them. And that's how my life was, you know. So I do believe in sort of a, I guess, a divine intervention type of thing. Like people come to you, you know, when you, when you need it. And um, caring friends or whatever, uh, you know, a, par- uh, a principal, you know, a teacher or something like that. And we do find our way. We do. But it's hard. I'll tell my stories, but I don't tell them in like a sad way. I tell them in a way like, okay, this is how I found my way out of it. And you can find your way out of any problem too. It's really, um, really a, a positive book uh, filled with very practical ways to not just lofty ideas, but practical ways to actually find happy once and for all. The fact that there's always a light at the end of the tunnel. You want to Absolutely. Yeah, yes, absolutely. And I don't think it's an oncoming train, like they say, <laughs> you know, <laughs> No, I think I think that I, I I don't want to just say like it's not a little sound bite. Oh, you know, if we choose happy, we can be happy. That's not that's not the total answer. But to choose to be happy is step one. You can't just say, oh, I choose to be happy. You have to do a major work to really train yourself that you choose it. You can't just say I choose it, but you have to really really reprogram yourself because we've been through a lot in our lives, you know. And it's not you you say it, but you have to really believe it inside. So it's 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 in a way the hardest step because it although it sounds the easiest it's like a trick it's 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 a lot to do you know it's interesting because from what you just said earlier about your son that your books have an inspiration on people that you don't know and Lindsay works with depressed and suicidal people yes so you've really kind of got that strong link which probably added probably such a strong flavor to the book Absolutely. It really does. Uh, I mean, her, her work is amazing. It's so important. Uh, really inspires me. We do. We, we really have a strong calling to helping people. I, I guess I never really thought about it. It just sort of came to me like it just, I don't know. I just like somehow know the right thing to say to people. Like I just, I'm telling you, people have told me, oh, you changed my life. I'm like, really? We, we, we spoke for one moment, you know, but it's great because I, I don't, I think it's just like a natural thing and it really makes me so happy that I do that. So it's a hidden superpower in a sense. It is. It's the best superpower you want to, you want to help people. You want to, you know, humanity needs kindness. It needs people to care about each other. It's all about connection. This is, I really worry about um, what's going on uh, with all the separatism, you know, you know, you name it, we're, we're tearing each other apart, right? Look at social media, how people can be so vicious to each other. I don't understand it. You know, in our politics and religion and this and that. But we're all human and we have to think about our commonalities and be kind to each other. So when you were growing up, I mean, this with your mom and your dad, you were like a very young child. When all this, at what point did you sense that something's not right here? Or did you think that this was the way that everybody lived? Well, I knew it wasn't the way everybody lived because I did... You know, I went out, you know, you go to play dates, you know, you things like that. And you see, like, I grew up in the five towns, which is pretty wealthy. And uh, I saw these little lovely homes and I saw that they were all organized and I knew mine wasn't, you know, so I knew something was wrong. But I didn't say anything to anybody because you, you really don't want to ever say anything because you feel like somehow you're going to be judged. Just automatically, you just feel this, you just feel this thing. No, no, I can't say anything. Um... So yeah, I knew I knew pretty young that something was was odd. Oh, my father was never there, and and I used to ask my mother what he did and she for a living, and she never would answer me. So I made up that my father oh because my father not only was a heroin addict but he was a drug dealer to support his he wasn't making big money he wasn't one of those big time drug dealers he was just doing it to support his habit. 
So she never answered me. So I decided that he was an architect. I made him, I modeled my father after the Brady Bunch. (laughs) (laughs) And there's a twist for you, right? (laughs) Yeah. So I figured, well, I mean, I heard all these other kids who had these fathers with these great careers. So I made my father an architect. Why not? Right? Do you think that like living in this situation, do you think that inspired you to want to write things down? I don't know if that inspired me. I just sort of knew I was a writer and I really don't know why. It's just one of those things. And I thought everybody knew what they, what they were meant to be. Turns out not so, but um, I just thought it was, I think, I think it gave me what to write down in a lot of ways. You know, I, I it really, I was writing about my, my life from a pretty young age. Also another thing that's interesting about me is my aunt, um, my aunt ran a, a concert hall. She made a concert hall out of a barge, a floating concert hall called barge music. It's, it's pretty world famous. Um, she passed away, but it continues. But, so she's another thing that I had to write about. You know, it was a quite different thing. Um, yeah, and I wrote my first novel really was about working with my aunt to build this barge, but also my home life, which was a disaster. So I kind of, I kind of incorporated everything into that. Um, I'm sure some of the characters that you write about have to have that strength in them too. Yeah, you know, I won't say, I never, it's weird about my characters. I don't sit there and say, oh, what are they going to be like? It's more like they start talking to me and they just tell me how it is. And they just, I don't know, I guess they're brewing inside of me. I don't know. Sometimes they're based on people I know, like my boxing coach started telling me his life story. It was weird. And, and I, and it hit my book melt is really about my boxing coach, but of course I morphed into something other than just his life, but it was a real starting point. Um, other times I dreamt the book, the girl next door about uh, a boy and a girl um, and the boy has cancer. I dreamt the whole thing. So, but they're kind of there already. And I, I never really, I never sat down and said, Oh, I think this character will be like this. They're just, t- they just tell me what they are. The 10 steps to finding happy. That's that is your 11th book right now. Yes. Out of the ones that you've written, is, are there any ones that stand out for you especially or that have special mo- memories? Oh, well, I older in a way. I mean, we can't pick one over another because it's like picking your favorite child. Um, I mean, I guess my first book by the sword uh, is, of course, the first book always stands out because, wow, that's how I got published, right? Um, and that's, you know, I just, I write about American history. And if you said to me, oh, you're going to write about George Washington when I was a kid, I would have said, you are crazy. That man is boring okay i mean look, what did we learn about this man something about wooden teeth something about crossing the delaware but no one ever explained why he crossed the delaware I'm like why would you do that you know it, it was just like a mess right so i was like I, i'm not interested in history but I, one day i was visiting a friend who was uh sick and uh, i went to go see him because he was recovering and he lived in merrick and he had just moved from satawket which is way out on the island and merrick is way closer to like you know, where all the fun stuff is, you know? And he said to me, oh, you know, I miss Setauket terribly. I'm like, why? He's like, because <laughs> like, when I think of Setauket, I think of like, well, not anymore, but at the time I thought of like cornfields or something, like what's happening back, you know, nothing's going on there, right? And he said, well, it's so historical. And to me, history equaled boring too. I'm like, oh, that just sounds horrible. He said, well, George Washington had, had a spy ring that operated out of there. I'm like, what? I'm like, I didn't even know we were involved in the American Revolution. And I never knew that George Washington was like a spy master. Like he sounded so boring. And like this just like opened my eyes. And it, it just immediately like I knew I needed to know about this spy ring. And I, I even knew I wanted to write a book about it. And boom. And so By the Sword is about Benjamin Talmadge, who was the head of the spy ring. But um, And so I, I did write a book just about the spies. But 
and that was very hard because spies don't want to be don't want you to learn about them. So that was a hard thing to learn about. <laughs> but Benjamin Talmadge wrote a memoir, didn't talk about being a spy, but he talked about his first experience at war. And he was a teacher and he went, he went to go fight. We didn't have a, we didn't have an army then, you know, we just had people that gave up everything and went to go fight. It was pretty noble, you know, sure. but when, when he got there, he had, he realized he had to look someone in the, in the eye and shoot at them or be killed. And he didn't want to do that. And I thought, well, there's something that every soldier must go through even now, you know. This is a side of war we don't really see. We, we always hear about rah-rah. And look, I'm not, I understand the importance of, 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 of fighting. I own, you know, I'm not, I'm, not, I'm not saying it's wrong to look at that side. But what about the horror that they go through, that they have to kill another human being or be killed? So I knew right away I wanted to tell his story the minute I looked at that. And then he talked about being in trenches, waiting to die, because they were outnumbered three to one by the British. And that really, there was no way they could win. And, and he really thought he was going to die that day. But George Washington decided he wasn't going to give up. He didn't think that he could save all of his men, but he thought he could save some. And so it was really purely out of just thinking about saving them, because he, the, he thought the war was over. He thought it was over. And he started getting, he, he got these 10 whale boats, which are very, they're, they're, ro- they're like rowboats, big rowboats, you know. And he got, they were, go, they were in Brooklyn, and they were going across uh, the East River, a mile across to Manhattan. So back and forth, they had to do an utter silence all night long. And ultimately, he managed to save all his men that were alive. He saved 10,000 men and got them across the East River in one night. And if he hadn't done that, we wouldn't be a country right now. So it's absolutely amazing. And Talmadge was in the rear guard. So he never, which they had to, they had to show, they had to see heads, you know, in the trenches. So he couldn't, they couldn't all go sneaking, going at once, or they would all be killed. So he never thought that he was going to get out. And they only had till daylight because then the sun was going to come out and they would be seen. But a miracle happened and fog came down and covered, okay? And so all of a sudden he was able to get down. It was a miracle. He came down, he got down to the water. He kind of got pushed onto the boat. It was like a mob and yet a silent mob because they couldn't make any noise. It was really crazy that they could get away with this. He gets pushed onto the boat. He's in the water and then he realizes, oh my gosh, I left my horse behind. And he really loved his horse. And he, it was a horse that went with him to school every day. It was his best friend. So when he got to the other side, he requested permission to go back and save his horse. And he, he, got, a, he got a group of men to go back there and save his horse. So ultimately, George Washington saved all his men, and Benjamin Talmadge saved his horse, although being shot at by the Hessians at the time. It was just a miracle he didn't get killed. So it's really a double happy ending, which you don't see much in a war book. You know, I'm sensing a theme. Somebody makes a comment and you get to write a book about it. I do. I really am. I think, I think, I don't think it's, I think I'm just open to these things. I think I'm like, somehow I'm open to be, to accept these ideas, you know, because we all, every, you know, a common question is how do you get your ideas? Well, I don't think I'm so uh, unique that I get you ideas and no one else could. I think that I'm open to them. I think we're all presented with a lot of things every day that we could use for something, but a lot of us just brush them off. And you just have to be open to the possibilities, you know. And I guess probably, you know, that you're at the point where you've kind of honed your craft. You know, you know what to be accepting of and probably, what, you know, what roads not yeah, to go down. I guess so. I, I, I think so. Maybe I filter it out a little bit more now. Uh, a lot of people say to me, oh, I want you to write my story. I want you to write my story. And that's when, when my boxing coach said it to me. I was like, I kind of brushed him off. I'm like, everybody says that. But then when he told me, like, my, he came from a, an abusive family, right? And it was very sad, but he was saying it in a very general term. I'm like, okay, okay. 
And then one day he looked me in the eye and he said, my dad used to shove a gun down my mom's throat in front of me every day. I'm like, well, that is a specific image. And I really still didn't think I could write it because it was horrific, you know, but I'll be be damned. Like it just all came together. And I sat down and I, it was was revolved around the wizard of Oz, which is a whole other thing. The book's called melt. Like I'm melting. And, um, but it was serendipity and it was really, um, I really, I think I was led to that. I was led. I was also told to read a voice. Don't get scared. I hear voices. The voice told me to get the book, The Wizard of Oz, and and that led me to the framing of the whole book. So, but again, I don't know. I I think I don't think I'm so so unique that I'm the only one that gets this stuff. I just think I'm I'm really open to it. So, if you were to write a biography about a famous person in history, anyone, given the choice, who would your choice probably be? Well, I do love William Shakespeare. Um, he's really my hero. Uh, so possibly him. I know a lot's been done about him. There's a lot of speculation about him. Was it him? Was it not him that wrote these stories? So maybe I would, I would, I would, I'd be interested in researching him. I've been to Stratford. Um, I really love him. Um, so maybe him. Uh, Faulkner is also another interesting one. Very interesting guy. Although I like villains too. I like a good villain. So I like, I like to know what, what makes people go bad. So certainly a lot of, we have a lot of villains to choose from, don't we? Uh, yeah, those are the two that immediately come to mind. But yeah, I might go to it. I do look at, like I wrote a book about Benedict Arnold. I am interested in what makes people turn bad also. Yeah, I remember hearing some of the story about that. And it, it's not exactly what people think, is no, it? It's not, no, it's, no, it's not at all. It's very complex. That's what's interesting about it. And there was a, a lot of talk about his wife, too, had some sort of involvement? Oh, de- definitely. Um, she, she, he didn't have the wherewithal to plot that whole thing. He was kind of an old, you know, he was like, well, you know, he was like one of these guys that you point him in the right, point him in the direction to go fight and he'll go, you know. No, she definitely had a lot to do with it. But however, he did do it. And, and Washington loved him and he betrayed him. So mm-hmm. that's, that's the part that's really interesting to me. There's a monument to him, but there's no name on it. Yeah, well, there's a monument, there's his boot, there's a monument with his boot at the Battle of Saratoga because, um, because he really did, he really was the reason we won the Battle of Saratoga and turned the war around. Um, He didn't get the credit because uh, the other guy was higher ranking than him, you know, so um, he should have had the credit. Um, But his boot, he lost his leg, uh, he he was wounded so badly that they they wanted to amputate his leg. So that's why the boot is there without his name. And and also in West Point, they uh, they don't have his name. They have a monument to him without his name. Also, not a monument. They have like a room of all the of all the generals in West Point, and and his they have the dates of his service, but they don't have his name. Well, I guess, you know, like history has its perspectives, you know, and you know, sometimes when we go to school too, you're, you know, you're taught to look at things one way where there's, there's more of a story too. Oh yeah. Well, there's always more than one side of a story. That's really what makes everything interesting, right? Let's talk a little bit more about the new book, The 10 Steps mm-hmm. to Finding Happy. What makes you happy? Well, a lot makes me happy. My kids certainly make me happy. Um, I, I like again, Howard Stern's, I love the Howard Stern show. That makes me happy. <laughs> If you want a boost of something, I'd say turn on something that immediately makes you happy. And that's the Howard Stern show for me, number one. Um, but, you know, I, I, honestly, these days a lot makes me happy. I can, reading makes me happy. Writing makes me happy. You know, I don't know if I have anything so extraordinary <laughs> to say about that. The color purple, as I mentioned, I love purple. So uh, things like that. 
Yeah, and I guess it doesn't really have to be something extravagant. Sometimes if it's just like a little thing that, you know, like sitting down in front of the TV with maybe a scoop of your favorite ice cream. Absolutely. You know, honestly, like the laughter is great. Like, so if you're ever feeling down, like watch a comedy, you know. I think sometimes people make the mistake of watching something sad when they're already sad and they just get sadder. But like to watch a comedy, there in if you've ever seen The Secret, uh, you know, the you know, there's a book and a movie, uh, you know, some sort of show. And uh, they talk about a woman that cured herself of cancer. I don't know if, if she entirely cured herself. I'm sure she was being treated. But while she was going through this, the, the treatment and they gave her like a fatal diagnosis, she's decided to only watch like comedies. And she was always laughing, laughing, laughing. And the cancer, I'm not saying it was only from the laughter, but the laughter definitely helped. Laughter really is a medicine. It has to be, I, I think. You know, the body has funny ways of, of healing itself that, you know, that science will probably never have a complete concrete uh, yeah, handle true. on, I think. Absolutely. And I know that at, at the book launch, they were, they're, they're, they're raffling away some prizes. Yeah, they've got some pretty cool stuff. I have to say, Lindsay's been in charge of that, uh, finding all these prizes. Uh, pretty amazing. She got, what is that guy's name? Connor, Connor McGregor? Connor it's McGregor, yes. Yeah, she got a pair of his gloves signed from him. That's an amazing uh, raffle, right? Like, wow. Like, that's a pretty decent prize. And then she got my favorite thing. She got a signed picture from Howard Stern. That's pretty amazing. To ha raffles are always fun, aren't they? they, they you can't help but being happy. Like, you're like, ooh, it's, it, it just sort of pumps you up to be part of it. So, um, yeah, she's finding some really books and uh Food prizes, which who doesn't get happy from food, right? <laughs> you know, <laughs> it's like a primal thing. So yeah, yeah, it's, it's, that's an amazing. Uh, she's been she's been really go going full guns on this. It's just quite she's quite enthusiastic, and I'm I'm really impressed. I'm really grateful. This is good. This is the launch that, like I've never seen before. Usually we have like a little quiet, you know, in a bookstore, and we've got the cradle of aviation. Like wow, you know. <laughs> The literal launch, like going to take off, you know. <laughs> the party is on March 18th, but the la the actual launch when the book is, and we will have the book for sale there. But on the 20th is uh is the International Day of Happiness, sanctioned by the UN, and we are um, affiliated with that. We have a, we have we are allowed to call ourselves affiliated with that uh, permission from the UN uh, from the from the founder of the International Day of Happiness, and that's the day the book releases that you could get it on Amazon and Barnes and Noble and, you know, you name it, you can get it uh, that day. It's available for pre-order before that, but that's the day it actually comes out. And I know you are working on another book in the meantime. Yeah, I have a, I have a totally different book. Um, it's called Seeking Freedom, Ending Slavery in America. Uh, my first Civil War book. Um, and it's about the end of slavery, which is quite shocking quite different than, than what everybody thinks. Lincoln did not want to free the slaves. Um, and so I came across that by complete accident and uh, very exciting, really exciting story for me. Um, and it's being illustrated by a really famous guy named uh, E.B. Lewis. Really, I mean, I can't tell you how stunning his illustrations are. I, I just wanted him so badly. I literally was saying, E.B. Lewis, E.B. Lewis, E.B. Lewis, and it worked. My editor said, guess what? Your editor is E.B. Lewis. And I, I didn't want to ask for him because I was afraid I wouldn't get him. But then, the, then he was my, I was like, yes, E.B. Lewis. So if look him up, he's, his, his, illustrators will, his illustrations will make you weep. They're beautiful, beautiful. And um, 
Yeah, that's coming out in 2022 because he needs time to make all those beautiful. He paints everything. You know, they're oil paintings. I think they're oil. Uh, behind me, I have, uh, oh, no, you can't see it. Oh, we're, I forgot. There's a podcast. You can't hear it. I have paintings from my first book, By the Sword. The guy, the illustrator gave me the actual original paintings. Okay. So I do love artwork. They're, very, they're all very nice pictures, too. Thank you. Well, good luck with the book that's coming out and the book that will be coming out in the near future. And yes. we... We do a portion of the show called Shameless Self-Promotion. Shameless (laughs) Self-Promotion. And this is where you can let people know where to get in touch with you. Okay. Uh, Well, I think the easiest way is my website, which is S-E-L-E-N-E-C-A-S-T-R-O-V-I-L-L-A, selencastrovilla.com. And I always write back. Like, you can write to me right on it. And I write right back to you. Uh, well, I don't know, write back, but I will write back to you. And I love to hear from you. Obviously, if you've read a book and you like it, I, that's great. If you didn't like the book, eh, tell me anyway. I, I can take it. Um, I love a good, I, I love a good uh, discussion. Uh, I'm on Twitter, uh, S. Castro, at S. Castrovilla. Uh, I think my Instagram is my whole name, Selene Castrovilla. Facebook, I have an author page, which I have a decent following that's probably my biggest social media. Selene Castrovilla, again, no surprise there, right? <laughs> <laughs> pretty much my name is, is everything. Um, so that's pretty much how you can reach me, I guess, the basic ways. Listen, it, uh, good, I'm on Goodreads, and I, I always love people to reach out to me on Goodreads. It's always appreciated to get a review on Goodreads. And this is my guest, Selene Castrovilla. Be sure to check out her books, and especially the ones that are coming out. I'm sure you will definitely enjoy them. And Check out her website because there's definitely a lot of nice stuff going on. And you make public appearances too, don't you? I do. I actually did a speaking engagement today in Smithtown. I do a lot. I, across the country, I, I, I travel. Yeah, I do a lot of appearances. So if you've enjoyed this interview, you can get to ask her questions if she comes to your town. Absolutely. <laughs> so, Len, thanks so much for coming down to the Sherpa Chalet. Oh, Jim, it was a pleasure. I appreciate it. For this week's Sherpa Suggestions, I figured I'd do something a little bit different. You know, this podcast is available to you on the iHeartRadio app. And iHeartRadio has been producing a lot of its own podcasts. So I wanted to give you a rundown of some of the shows that they present. So, of course, we have Stuff You Should Know with Josh and Chuck, which basically is a show about anything and everything that they go into about that you should know about. And there's also Stuff You Missed in History Class, Four Things with Amy Brown, which is a health and wellness podcast. Scrubbing In with Becca Tilly and Tanya Rad. It's kind of a woman's podcast where they talk a lot about TV and a couple of other things too. Uh, Sore Losers, which is three guys talking sports. Tech Stuff, which is guess what it's about. Not going to give you too many hints there. Before Breakfast, which is a podcast about time management. The Breakfast Club, which is a radio show based on a radio station in New York City, 105.1. Sleepwalkers, which is about AI. The Ron Burgundy Podcast, another Sherpa favorite with, you know it, Ron Burgundy himself. And Monster DC Sniper, which is a true crime podcast relating the events of the DC Sniper. Inside the Studio, which is interviews with musicians. I want to throw out a couple of new ones that have just come out. Rivals, which has to do with a lot of musical rivalries, like between the Beatles and the Stones, Taylor Swift and Katy Perry. I know that one's got to be a nail-biter. Biggie and Tupac, stuff like that. Uh, We have Teach Me Something New, in which the host, 
basically learns something new every week. And finally, Questlove Supreme, where Questlove, you know, Questlove, who was the drummer of the band in The Tonight Show with Jimmy Fallon, he interviews a lot of musicians and artists as well. So there's a whole bunch if you decide to listen to iHeartRadio. And you can also listen to my show on iHeartRadio. And feel free to leave a nice comment there, too. Hint, 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 hint. You know, I heart the Sherpa. I heart the Sherpa. Is that subliminal enough? Thanks so much to Selen Castrovilla for coming on by. And hey, my friends in Long Island, if you've got nothing to do on March 18th from 7 to 9, Selen and Dr. Lindsay Callen Wisner will be at the Cradle of Aviation in Garden City, New York, from 7 p.m. to 9 p.m., doing a party for the launch of the book. And they'll be giving away some really neat stuff. And some of that stuff Selene already talked about, and I'm sure there's going to be a lot more fun stuff that you could possibly win. So if you got the chance, go down there and tell them the Sherpa sent you, okay? I would love to go, but, you know, restraining orders and all that stuff. No, I'm kidding, I'm kidding. I'm making that up, making that up. Let's move on. <clears throat> so anyway, you can listen to me on your favorite podcast app or SherpaLution.com, my website. Be sure to check that out. And you can follow me on social media, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, just look up the word Sharpolution. Of course, Sharpolution. What else would it be? And if you'd like to get in touch with me, my email, you can do it through the website or just email me at jimthepodcastsherpa at gmail.com. And I will gladly answer any of your comments, compliments, requests, complaints, recipes, bad jokes, and what have you. So <laughs> I think it's time for me to pack it in. I hope you've enjoyed this bonus episode of Too Many Podcasts. And and if you are listening to it on the day of its launch, St. Patrick's Day, I hope you have a safe and enjoyable St. Patrick's Day. Erin Grobra. I don't know what that means, but Ireland forever, I believe it is. But Ireland forever. Yay, Ireland. I like Italy too, you know. Here's a guy who likes Australia. Mr. Bruce, would you please show our esteemed guests out the door and be happy and viva la sharp pollution bye thanks for listening to too many podcasts please disperse you can go home now I said you can go home now viva la sharp pollution viva la sharp pollution <coughs> oh. Yeah, I'll come back now, you hear? <laughs>